we're not being recorded yet, right? Never. What's up, homie? Never. Uh, what's up, brother? Um, I really didn't look at your questions. I probably should have. But um, also, you, you know, I don't know how to read. So it's part of. <laughs> I like to keep you on your toes. Hey, everybody. Today we're back with another fun tea talks. We're talking with Evan Weiss, co-founder of LW Hospitality Advisors. Evan's got his finger on the pulse and sums up where we are with transactions, banking, and where we're headed for the ballots in 2023 in always very entertaining fashion. Thanks for joining. Evan Weiss, thanks for joining me today. LW Hospitality Advisors. Where are you today, sir? You look like a hotel room. Thanks for having me, T. I'm actually right outside your office. It's creepy, but I'm right there. No, um, I'm actually in... Uh, actually, at the West Palm Beach Airport, just flew in on a red eye from Los Angeles and uh, about to head to a meeting in Palm Beach this afternoon in a couple of hours. So uh, running and gunning all around the world. Yeah, your title is what, like co-founder and stuff? But it's whatever you want it to be, Teague, quite frankly. Um, I make it up as I go along. Every day I add something else. By the end of the year, I should have at least nine or ten titles. Um, my view is that the more titles you have, the more important you are. So I um, just want to keep adding titles. Yeah, Road Warrior is the top of that list. Uh, absolutely. Uh, all right. You guys, if people, for those who don't know, LW Hospitality, they're appraisers, consultants, uh, feasibility studies. Uh, uh, now you got your consulting group, uh, Lark. So uh, yeah. you guys are the experts to go to in this industry. Right? Yeah. Thanks, T. We, 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 the way we say it is that if you have the word hotel in any part of your real estate project, give us a call. Um, we do pretty much everything within the services realm other than capital markets and investment sales, which is why we get along so well which is how I landed this posh gig here on Teague Talks. Um, but basically three verticals. Vertical one, valuation, appraisal, feasibility, market studies. Vertical two, third-party asset management, not management, consulting, advisory, help folks find brands, managers. And then the third vertical is Ryan Melliker, our partner's vertical, LARC, Lodging Analytics Research and Consulting, Pure Data Analytics, Predictive Analytics for the top 50 markets in the United States. Yeah, that's a great new business for you guys. So cheers, you're doing really well with that. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been incredible. Ryan's been an incredible partner for Dan and I. Um, I don't even understand half the stuff he puts out. People start asking me about Lark. I just say like the top three headlines that are like on our website. Then they start asking me actual questions about the data. Oh, uh, what's the R square uh, code? Oh, whoa, 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 relax. I am uh, just a figurehead. Okay, I'm just a pretty face. Cole Ryan, he's actually intelligent. And then we uh, we make money, which is great. With you doing a good job of that. No, you know the reason you got here is because we share office space in New York City. Sorry, you're my landlord in New York City. So I feel like maybe I just uh, That's our fourth vertical, actually subleasing our space in New York. It's been great. As you know, uh, office has been really a phenomenal asset class. I was actually thinking about leaving hospitality to go into office because of that. Um, actually, Teague, I really appreciate you bringing me in here uh, three years after Teague Talk started. No big deal. Not like I was counting or anything. You know, there's a lot of storied names out there that are on this list. And finally... Finally, I think this is probably going to be your last one, but I really appreciate you adding me to the roster. Uh, really, like right up front when you started Teak Talks. You're know, saving the best for last, Evan. Saving the best for last. Uh, all right. So I'm staring at the latest and greatest uh, LWHA Q1 report that you guys just put out. So congratulations. Let's start. Yeah, thank about you. That. Yeah, Dan spends a lot of time on that, quite honestly. Um, it's the uh, top hotel sales. Any, It's any hotel sale over $10 million in a single asset transaction, non-portfolio, um, when we do it quarterly. So this is Q1 2023 in the United States. Um, 
And, you know, it's interesting that the sales date obviously lags a lot because a lot of the Q1 sales that were uh, that were transacted in Q1 um, started taking place in Q1, Q2 and Q3 of, of 2022 when debt was actually inexpensive or affordable and available. Uh, which has obviously changed. So it'll be interesting to take a look at take a look at Q2 and Q3. But yeah, a lot of folks, it's 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 kind of weird. You know, people kind of wait for that report and they they use it as like their gospel Bible as it, as it relates to investment sales. And people get upset. Like there are some there are some principals out there who say you missed seven dollars on my sale. I'm like, well, relax, don't worry about it. We'll put it on. Not perfect. Yeah, I mean, you guys are so important. So the headline reads. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to discuss this. Is hotel trades drop in Q1? Yeah, yeah, it's really first line with continued elevated levels of inflation and interest rates and fears of impending economic recession. The U.S. commercial real estate industry continues to find itself in choppy waters. Brilliant stuff. Really brilliant. I didn't write that, obviously. I mean, that's just too many words and too many syllables. Um, so. <laughs> Listen, I mean, you guys are out there trying to sell property every day. You know, your colleague Spencer and I literally share a wall. God bless his soul. Um, he has to deal with me every day. Uh, thankfully, I travel. Otherwise, I think he would have quit, by the way, just so you know. Um, but um, listen, when debt goes from, I'll give you a perfect example. One of our clients came to us and they're and they're looking at a four property portfolio that they're financing right now, that they're acquiring, which is actually unusual, as you know, right now, the transaction market's super slow. And they said a year ago, had they taken out this portfolio of select service hotels, they would have gotten 30 quotes. Today, they got three. And the best quote was something like four or 500 over SOFR. So call it all in around nine, nine and a half percent. Right. So even if you're buying at a nine cap today, you're still somewhat of a negative leverage situation, which I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing. And as you know, all the buyers or all the sellers are saying, hey, um, I'd love to sell my asset. And you're like, great, I'd love to sell your asset. That's how we make money here at Teague Hunter Incorporated. Uh, sorry, Hunter Hotels. Sorry, sorry. Um, but, um, you know, that they, they're like, oh, yeah, seven cap, right? We're at, we're at all time high revenues. And you're like, oh, that sounds great. Why don't you pass whatever you're drinking or smoking? And uh, I'll enjoy that while I try to sell your asset for a nine cap, if I'm lucky, um, and get that thing done within the next, you know, three to six months. So if you want me to talk to any of your clients, uh, feel free. I'll let yeah, them know. You're hired, yeah, you're hired, Evan. You're hired. So yeah, how I'm are we totally getting deals done today? Program. What's that? So how are we getting deals done today? How are any deals getting done? There were still good um, deals, 83 deals done in the first quarter. 83 deals? Yeah, 83. But what what was your what was your transaction volume Q123 versus Q122? Significantly less. Right. Right. So so deals are definitely getting done. A few things, right? We're seeing some seller financing on the larger stuff, right? Yeah. Um, the big guys, like if a host, if host is selling an asset, as an example, they may offer seller financing to some extent um, at rel relatively accretive rates. You're seeing on the smaller transactions, a lot of all cash buyers or very, very low leverage. You know, some you know folks from the Indian American hotel community, Asian American hotel community, you know, um, they're buying, let's say, a $10 million, $8 million asset. They may come up with five, six or seven or even $10 million from a group and not take out financing and just wait a year or so, Right. So we're seeing stuff like that happening. So I think a lot of those smaller transactions are happening. And they're and obviously, listen, financing is available. You can get CMBS financing today. You'll have to lock in for five or seven or 10 years at somewhere between seven and eight, seven and a half percent. Do you want to do that? Will rates go down? Obviously, we just had a Fed rate hike yesterday. So will there be another rate hike? Will things stabilize? I don't know. Um, if I knew, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd actually be rich. So, um, you know, I have to do this TikTok thing and try to drum up some business. 
But no, I mean, so things are still getting done. We're hearing about a couple of SASB deals that have gotten done in Q4, Q1, and that probably will get done Q2, Q3. These are larger transactions, two, 300 million plus um, portfolios of anywhere from 20 to 100 assets. So listen, refis have to happen. We're all hearing about the wall of maturities. You know, I think Bloomberg put out a trillion and a half dollars over the next two, three, four years of, of maturities of debt. Either A, these, these deals get sold and some kind of debt financing gets put on them or B, um, you know, uh, what's called again, they, they get refinanced and yeah, you bite the bullet either a, you have a few options. You go to a local regional bank, which obviously we've seen the pullback on those, right? SVB fell, uh, Signature Bank was taken over, First Republic was sold. And just yesterday, we saw PacWest starting to get a little uh, shaky, right? Uh, I think your stock price is down 70% buying opportunity. Just kidding. I have no idea. Um, but I'm not registered by the SEC, just so everybody out there knows, uh, all seven people that are going to watch this podcast. Um, but but um Teague, I'll let you ask a question in a minute. But um, but what's it called again? But but again, you know, so you're seeing regional banks pull in, but the ones that listen, if if you're if you're you know John Smith or John Patel and you own a hotel in um you know Arkansas, right? And you have 10 million dollars on deposits with your local regional bank and you need a six million dollar loan, guess what? They're going to give you a loan. Maybe it's at 50 or 60 LTV, maybe, probably 50, maybe it's full recourse or certainly partial recourse. But that rate could be a five and a half or a six because of your deposits and the low recourse and the fact that you've done banking with them for 30 years. So there's a lot of these stories playing out throughout the country. Debt funds are out there. Yeah, they're lending money at 10, 11 percent. So if you want it, go get it. You know, there, there's other lending groups out there that are lending construction financing. Yeah, it's 750 over so far. Yeah, that hurts. But if you think about it. We're probably at the end of rate increases. So if you're going to do construction for 18 to 24 months, it's not the end of the world to be two, 300 basis points over where a normal construction loan would be. So again, it's really about the economics of your deal and, and how comfortable you are with things like recourse and, and other you know, provisions in those agreements. So what are you guys spending most of your time? You spend it on asset management? You spend it on feasibility? I mean, are you seeing, we're seeing construction slow Transactions are complicated. Uh, we're not seeing the distress. That's not coming. Um, it yeah. might later, but I, we don't see it. Tell me where you're spending your time. Yeah, not seeing a ton of distress. Some, right? I would say that we're seeing more distress than we've seen in the past, but not like you're not seeing 150 assets at the market. You're seeing one, right. two, some larger assets, certainly, just because it's so difficult to refi them. So where are we spending time? Um, I would say that the first couple months of the year, we were very busy, a lot of refis, a lot of feasibility, and now we're comfortably busy, not super busy, which is, I think, a really good place for guys like us to be. Um, <clears throat> like our team is all working, which is a good thing. Um, valuation always going to be the core um, of our business for now. Um, feasibility, ton of feasibility, folks looking at projects, a lot of non-hoteliers looking at their first hotel projects. And that ranges from, you know, building for example, a select service home two in a uh, in a shopping center in Florida, all the way up through a luxury hotel in the hills of Montana. I mean, really, and everything in between, right? So it really um, it really depends. It's all over the gamut. Um, a lot of advisory consulting work for these types of folks that again have never been in the hotel business. Those are our favorite favorite uh, customers because we could first of all, you know, there's a lot of fee there, which is great, but really truly, we can really help them. Like. You see these folks come in, they're super smart, they have money, they understand real estate, they just don't understand hospitality, and we we become their de facto hotel partner, and, and really, uh, and you see like their their eyes light up because we really become part of their team. It's uh, it's actually a really nice thing. 
um, so, to, to, to do that. So do you see that as a trend? And what I mean is the real estate people who've been in other real estate classes coming to hospitality because somehow we are now the preferred asset class because we can raise yeah. Great segue, Teague. Thanks. Um, you know, if you think about it, hospitality up until 15 or so years ago wasn't even considered one of sort of the major food groups in real estate. It was part of other, you know, it was industrial, office, commercial, retail, and multi. Today, multi is at negative leverage, right? They're still trading at super low cap rates in most markets. And a lot of those deals that were done at two, three caps that thought they would sell at one caps are obviously upside down. So that's Multi is not a bad asset class. It's doing really well. It's performing really well. But from an investment perspective, there's not a lot of meat on that bone. And, and again, investment rate and uh, interest rates have also climbed in that space. Uh, retail, there's good retail and bad retail. I think that's one thing that the last five to 10 years, even pre-COVID, the Amazon effect, all that sort of has, has shown us is that you've got your class A, great lifestyle centers, great malls, and you have your stuff that's never going to come back. I, I saw a stat the other day that from the 80s through today, the number of malls in the U.S., like indoor malls, has plummeted by like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of malls. It's kind of an incredible thing. But a lot of those malls are getting repurposed. And what do you want to do? You want to create experiences. People love experiences. Industrial is the same. You know, it's sort of a fully baked asset class. Constructions come down. The Googles and the Amazons, data centers and all that, not building as much. Last mile, they don't need as much as they may have thought. Um, so where's their opportunity? There's opportunity in hospitality. Hotels are actually performing from an operating perspective. Again, 30,000 feet really well. Um, it, keeping pace with inflation, inflation adjusted uh, growth is not at 19 levels in most cases, but getting there in the next by 24, 25 in most cases, rev poor growth is really strong. And for the first time in the last kind of five, six cycles, even before you and I were around, because we're both super young, um, good looking, um, we're seeing, got that plug in, but we're seeing, we're finally seeing um, hoteliers taking advantage of inflation, using it to raise rates, right? And if anybody out there has been to an airport, a hotel lobby, or a conference in the last six to 12 months, every air, every airplane is jam-packed, every airport is jam-packed, every conference is sold out or near sold out, um, and every hotel seems to be you know, completely occupied. I'm going to Miami for the weekend uh, for a couple of meetings, and you can't stay at a select service hotel. Granted, it's F1, whatever, but you also have the Kentucky Derby going on at the same time, and still hotels... You know, select service hotels are four hundred plus dollars a night, which is amazing, great for the market. Um, but you are seeing a slowdown in that sort of pace of growth. Anyway, so these folks are coming to hospitality. They see an opportunity. They see a moment in time. They see growth. Um, but a lot of them are smart enough to know that they don't fully understand the sector, which is why folks like us, you and I, and, and our teams, and our and our and our friends and colleagues are able to um, we're able to help them. I don't want to use the word take advantage because I think it's really accretive um, to do these folks to really have that sort of hospitality brain on their side. Yeah, I mean, again, one office is in trouble, right? Your offices Absolutely. managed to make retail look good. Rosie. Uh, Rosie. Uh, and I think we're learning this, sort of, certainly the new generation is it's experiential, right? So they'd rather go on a trip and go see something than, than own a home. That's home ownership is no longer important. We want to go experience, we want to travel, which is good for our industry. Couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the one of the biggest trends I think we've seen in the last several years, I think it started pre-COVID and COVID really slapped it in the face was was this experiential travel, right? Or this or or this idea. I think it's probably 10 years old, but this idea where millennials are like, would you want something fancy or do you want to go on the trip of a lifetime? And they want to go on the trip of a lifetime. 
And frankly, they want to do it every year, right? They want to go to the Galapagos. They want to go to France. They want to go to Italy. They want to go to places like Staten Island, New York. Just kidding. That's where I'm from. Um, they want to go to Atlanta, right? And they want to do cool things. They want to and want to eat really well. They want to stay really well. Um, lots of outdoor lodging, alternative lodging, as we call it, glamping, as some people like to call it. All these things are popular. They're not inexpensive. And it's interesting, you know, this sort of Everyone, the talk about recession, a mild recession, are we in a recession? Are we going to recession? The answer is I have no clue. I think we're probably going to be, I think we'll probably determine in seven years from now that we were in some sort of mild recession. But by and large, it hasn't been a, a, uh, a jobless recession. It hasn't been one where we're losing a lot of jobs. And because of that, um, I think that people are just continuing to spend... I also believe that this will not change. I think that this generation cares, like to your point, they care less about they'd rather drive, no offense, to a Honda Civic, right? They'd rather drive a Honda Civic than say, you know, a brand new Lexus or Acura and go on those three vacations a year. What's that? Range Rover, you said? Pickup truck in New York City. What'd you say? Or a pickup truck around A pickup truck. I mean, I don't know what kind of crazy people would drive pickup trucks throughout New York City. but those people are really awesome. And if you guys want to ride, you can jump the back anytime. Happy to take you around. All right. So give me your predictions for uh, the rest of the year. Then we're going to have a recession at the end of the year. This, this never ending recession prediction. Is it finally going to get here? And what's it going to look like? I don't do predictions, Teague. So this part of the segment's over. No, um, I, I think, I think that we're, we'll probably experience some sort of mild recession, I don't know what that means. I'm not an economist by any stretch of anyone's imagination, even my own, which is pretty vivid. Um, we can't talk about that here on the podcast, but um, generally speaking, I do think we'll be in some sort of mild recession, but I think hotels remain strong. Again, I think growth slows in 23 into 24. I think our Lark uh, platform is projecting a six and a half percent rep par, six or six percent or so rep par growth in 23. We've seen Marriott and, and some of the other major companies, uh, C-Corps, raise their rep par projections actually from earlier uh, for 23, I think to like six to nine percent or six to eight percent or something for Marriott. Um, so I think we have a relatively strong performance here. I think net NOI in most hotels is also strong because of the RevPAR growth. I do think we start seeing NOI margins start to trail off in 24 and 25 as costs increase. I think the supply pipeline remains relatively muted. Not that you know Marriott and Hilton and Hyatt and IG and all these guys don't have two, three, four hundred thousand rooms in the pipeline, but we'll see how many get built. I mean, I think it's challenging when you look at a Hampton Inn. And this could help your business, quite frankly. When you look at a Hampton Inn and back in 2018 or 19, which is just before the pandemic, um, which I hate talking about, but um, you know, the cost on that was 140, 150, 160,000 all in to build, probably closer to 130, 140. That asset today is 30% more, call it 180 to 200 to build, right? And not only that, but it, to operate it, you're now paying your front desk person or your housekeeper 14 to 16 an hour, as opposed to 850 to 950 an hour. I'm not going to get into fair wages and livable and all that. Just matter of fact, that is where things are. And it's still hard to get those employees because they're all going to Target and Amazon at 15, 16 bucks an hour with 401ks and, you know, and vacations and not having to deal with human beings, which is, you know, trust me, it's hard. It's like, like you and I. Exactly. But, That's what I'm saying. Who wants to deal yeah, with this? Yeah, we're we're just anecdotally, we've seen the transaction market. Um, uh, it, it was really slow fourth quarter and first quarter. It is now picking up to your point. Sort of everyone wants to sell. Uh, so we have a lot of sellers. We definitely have a big bid, bid ask spread. That's correct. 
Um, and we still got complications with banks, et cetera. But the buyers today are fundamentally underwriting markets. They're underwriting inflation, that the cost of this asset is going to be worth more a year from now, five years from now than it is today. They can raise rates to catch up. And they're they're normalizing rate. Even if they've got to borrow at 9% today, they think they can have long-term at six and a half. So they're willing to take a short-term hiccup to buy what they think is a quote discount from what's going to be a higher inflation asset. Well, so I like that thesis, right? I was actually going to ask you what, what you're seeing. Uh, you're on the front lines, you know, you, you got, yeah. Hey, T, you got, what's going on over there at uh, Hunter hotels. Um, so yeah, yeah I think, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. And I think that that's playing out. Listen, everyone's going to talk about some massive trade of, you know, the Montas Laguna 2.5, 2.6 million a key, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the, the diplomat trading for 835 million with, you know, with, with development opportunity across the street, those will continue to happen because there always will be a buyer for those. And there'll always be a long-term vision for those. Some of it's ego or family capital that is just long-term. That's not necessarily ego. That's just like, Hey, we have a 25 year horizon and we can make and we can put 300 million into a 600 million dollar asset and we can make an 8 9% return on that cash on cash even levered we're good because we have so much money in treasuries and things again it's real people don't understand you're like oh i would never do that well you don't have a billion dollars in cash and not enough places to put it right people like you and i have those problems no, i'm just kidding um but you, you, you know that that it, people have to understand sort of buyer and seller mentality um and so i i i generally agree i think and I do think that 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 six and a half to seven and a half, six and a half to seven percent is probably about where rates, mortgage rates for hospitality stabilize on a long term basis within the next call it 12 to 24 months. Right. And so if you can take out floating rate debt today, no different than the folks that got screwed. Right. That took out floating rate debt when it was at, you know, a floor of 50 basis points and they took it out at three, you know, 400 over and they're like, oh, I'm at four and a half percent. 12 months later, they're at nine and a half percent, right? Oh, you're dead, right? Those folks that are taking out debt at nine and a half percent at 450 over, that could easily come into 300 basis points and have that 7%. And it's not a bad bet to make. You have to also have the contingency if it doesn't happen, but it's not a bad bet to make. It's not a bad return. And you'll still see low double digit you know, IRRs if you have a seven to 10 year hold horizon. That's the whole thing about hospitality also, right? We talk about this all the time. Hospitality, by its very nature, is a long-term hold asset. You've got to be able to hold through the cycles. It's not a three-year pop. It's a seven to 10-year or more hold cycle. And if you don't have that mentality, again, that's not to say that in two, three years, you don't go to Teague and his team and say, hey, guys, uh, you know, income's up 38%, debt's down 300 basis points, you know, go make me some money. But you can't have that at the onset. And, and you also, what we were seeing a lot over the last sort of Q4 and Q1 or even Q3, Q4 and Q1 was that folks thought that the rate hike and the and the interest rate increase was a blip and they're still underwriting assets one one of our clients came to us and was like hey underwrite this asset and i looked at their model i'm like you have six percent interest in here they're like yeah no no we believe i'm like you can believe whatever you want i believe in santa claus and the easter bunny okay i also believe that you know he may take me in his sled on on you know december 25th but you have to you know hope for the best and plan for the worst plug a nine in there Guess what? Deal dies. And I think we saw a lot of that. And we're going to continue to see a lot of that if people are realistic about it. But you're going to have folks with money. I always tell people this. You're like, why do you think this is happening? I'm like, things happen because we have an ecosystem. You guys need to sell. We need a value. We need to do feasibility. Lenders need to lend. Equity folks need to put money out. Construction guys need to construct stuff. You know, developers need to develop, et cetera, et cetera. Otherwise, the ecosystem falls apart and nobody, you know, can pay their bills. And so we'll start seeing money get put out. 
at, you know, and they're going to underwrite to a 12 or a 14. And people are going to yell, you know, Evan, you're an idiot. I'm like, well, you'll underwrite to a 19. Really, in their mind, they're underwriting to a 12 because they're liars. Just kidding. Um, not naming names. But uh, but, but again, you know, I, I think realistic underwriting is is key. It's funny. The other day I was having a conversation. Someone's like, oh, can I get to a nine or 10 unlevered cash on cash? I'm like, yeah, that's, I think, a reasonable guesstimate as of today. And if you have that sort of mentality, you know, the leverage is not juicing you that much, right? So, so just be smart and realistic. There's still a ton of capital out there. That's the thing we keep missing, a ton of capital. So that's why there's not going to be significant distress. There's not going to be, there's still going to be deals getting done. There's still a ton of money out there chasing deals. Couldn't agree more. We say this every time. It's like, oh, there's going to be a wall of distress. Well, yeah, but there's, you know, 300 billion. Blackstone in, while Blackstone's getting all this horrendously negative press about, you know, B-Read and redemptions and all that, which by the way is natural. It didn't mean B-Read wasn't doing their jobs. It just meant people needed their money for other things because everything else was, you know, it's kind of, uh, there's a technical term called shitting the bed. Um, but, but, you know, during that negative press time, first of all, you know, guys like John Gray were out there every day speaking to the press or global heads of real estate were speaking to the press. And so that was smart of them, right, to get out in front of it and not hide, number one. And number two, they raised a $30.5 billion real estate fund. That's just Blackstone, let alone what Starwood's raising, what Apollo's raising, what all the other folks sort of in that sector are raising. And so, um, and, and that's not to mention the dozens of folks that are raising 50 to 200 million dollars right and you know all those guys that that's that's part of your job right and to your point once these assets start getting filtered out into the market they're all going to be bidding and so yeah maybe you'll get it you know at an eight or an eight and a half you're not buying stuff at tens and elevens because there's enough money out there to your point that's going to save those people especially for you know for high cash flow and good assets and good markets they're just not going to get crushed so maybe they maybe the seller thought they'd get a seven or a seven and a half but they'll get an eight or an eight and a half you know they're not it's not going to be that wide ultimately so i i agree with you and i also think that there's plenty of debt available it's just expensive like you can go out there and get debt fund debt today fairly comfortably it just costs nine to ten percent but it's there. It's not like, you know, no one's willing to lend. <laughs> there was a lender at one of the conferences at Alice, at Alice walking around, I won't name him. Um, he was like, we've got money. We've got a big lender, like one of the big banks, billions and billions of dollars under, under management and under deposits. He said, we got money. I'm like, yeah, how much? <laughs> He's like, well, it's 9%. I'm like, exactly. That's the point. Yeah. So I think, I think, um, I think yeah, that's so going to continue for the, for the foreseeable future. The loan into the people that don't need it. Um, Evan, I'm going to let you run. Um, uh, fantastic. Thank you. Because people are going to start tuning out. But you were having a little glow there in, in the back, by the way. You're looking great. Like It's like religious moment. Your mom would be very proud. Uh, she would be proud. I'm actually going to send her this video. Um, that's actually not a light. It's actually just the emanation uh, from the happiness of our of our conversation. I know. That's what it is. Good luck in Miami this weekend. Uh, go to the Thank Formula you, One race. Don't get run over by a car. I will not do that. I'll not go to the race. I'm not cool enough. We all know that, Teague. Yeah. That's what everyone's, all the cool kids are doing it. I'm aware of what they're doing. I'll be uh, sitting in my room. Uh, thank you, my friend. You're the best. This is very educational. Uh, I loved it. Hopefully everybody else does. Till next so much, time. Steve. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Bye.